certain times of the year and as much as we anticipate them we prepare we feel like we're ready we had a Shabbos we sang, we spoke we sang some more last night, we spoke some more everyone at some level walked in this morning a bit more real a bit older, a bit more mature Everyone in their own little world, as we spoke, ready to connect, ready to try to understand what a world without the Beis Amigdash is, why we want the Beis Amigdash, and how we could get there. But as much as we prepare, we put away the Sefer Torah, we sit on the floor as we're about to begin Kinnis, and we realize. There's no way to prepare. We're there. We're in the zone. But it's just impossible. The Sassemis writes that the Mashiach must be coming very soon for Klai Yisrael to be at such a low level. It can't be they're going to go any lower. It's impossible. The Mashiach has to be at the door. 150 years ago, the Svasemis felt that the world was holding at a place that it couldn't get any lower. And where are we now? The world that we live in. And every year, it seems it gets lower and lower. The tsarais, the calamities, the events get closer and closer to home. So the Mashiach must really be at the door. All we have to do is figure out a way to open up that door a crack and let him in. And Rav Hanan wrote very similarly. He says, it's not possible that Hashem created a world for such filth and disgust. That wasn't the purpose of creation. It must be that the Mashiach is very close. The tour has a calendar. And he stops the calendar at the year 2087. The Chavetz Chaim comments, there's no reason to go any further because the Mashiach for sure will be there by then. That's less than 70 years from now. So we're very close. It's been a year that everyone at some level has felt the lack of Beis HaMikdash. And now we sit here today. And perhaps the words of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter will guide us. Because as much as we're mourning the Chorban, we're hoping that we'll conclude the day as a Yomtif. But Rabbi Yisrael writes, and I'll read his words, 
It is possible to elevate yourself in spirituality in Ruchnias and Tishabav. No less than what a person can do. Just like we enter into Yom Kippur white and we leave Yom Kippur at some level feeling more pure, more clean. That's what we're doing here today. We're entering into Atishabhav and we already began. We began almost three weeks ago. And we went through Shabbos. And we keep on speaking and everyone keeps on finding different areas to connect to. And the goal hopefully will ultimately be that every single person finds a moment today. A place of purity, a place to connect. Those fireflies that we keep on speaking of. You'll hear beautiful words of Chizik. Something talks to each person differently. And you'll find a way to bottle that up and allow it to change you a little bit. Allow it that you'll walk out of this room at Chatzais after the fast. Not the same people that we walked in. Perhaps that bit of maturity that began the day today will carry us through. Of course, life should be fun. We're sitting here in camp and no one is saying we're going to walk around somber. But as we'll speak and as we'll hear, there are areas in every person's life that there could be a bit more maturity, a bit more real, a bit more purity. So standing in davening in Shachris in a shul in Flatbush about a year ago, in the middle of Shimon Asrei, a person in the opposite corner collapsed. And the people around him called Atzala, another one was Atzala member, and everyone was tending. And I'm standing there in the opposite corner, just staring. And after about two minutes of staring, Atzala's there and they're taking care of him, I realized there's absolutely nothing for me to do. Maybe I should go back and daven. Maybe what I could do is say Shmon Esri. So when we look in the world and we see events and we see issues, we see calamities, all too often we find ourselves that spectator, just gazing and watching and waiting. But then there comes that point, and that point on Tishabov that we stop. And we look inward and we say, let me worry about myself. Let me daven. Let me see what I could do about me. The world, the issues, that's not in my control. What's in my control is myself. So throughout this morning, we're going to find different ways of connecting to ourselves. Different ways of trying to change ourselves. So that we connect a little bit with the Beis HaMikdash. So what is the Chorban Beis HaMikdash? What is it? There's no Beis HaMikdash. Hashem is no home. What exactly does that mean? So there's many ways of explaining it. But I like to use the words of the Arizal. Words that we don't really understand, as you'll see. Very lofty concepts that none of us really could understand. But yet, 
there is something that we really could connect to. And Arizal writes that in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, Hashem's Shechina manifested itself with Eser Sfiris. The Sitra Achra, the Ruach Atoma, was Nikuda Achas. And I'll explain in a moment. Hashem's presence was felt ten realms big. The side of impurity was one little dot. When the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, the tables turned. The Toma, the Yitzhahara, the Sitra now took control. Now was Eser Sfiroi's big, now was occupying everywhere. And where was Hashem's Shechina left? Hashem's Shechina was left in one Nikuda Achas. One little dot. Sometimes we wonder, it's so difficult. All the challenges, all the issues that we have on a daily basis, the Nisyanis that we live through, the impurity that is our lives. Is it any wonder? When the Beis HaMikdash was taken from us, Hashem was relegated to a little dot. He's there. He's still everywhere. But we can't feel Him. He's not palpable. The Shechina is not felt. It's just one little dot. Whereas when there was, and Emir Hashem will be a Beis HaMikdash, the Shechina was everywhere. When you walked into the Beis HaMikdash, it's no wonder that Nevoah was everywhere. There's no wonder that you brought a karba and you saw the animal go up in smoke and you walked out pure. Because Hashem's presence was palpable, was real, was able to be felt by everyone. So why do we want the Beis HaMikdash? What's lacking in our lives without the Beis HaMikdash? Everything will go back. Yes, we want all those who are sick to be healed. And yes, we want all issues to be resolved with the coming of the Beis HaMikdash. But perhaps a bit of a loftier reason but at the same time, something that we can connect to very real is that we want Hashem to be really with us again. We want to be able to feel Him. We spend our whole day davening and learning and trying to do good things. We just don't feel it. It's so difficult. We're trudging through quicksand. And we're trying to keep on pulling ourselves up after Nisayan, after Nisayan, after difficulty, getting up in the morning all the technology, the difficulties in learning. In the world of Beis HaMikdash, there's no such thing. In the world of Beis HaMikdash, the Arizal is teaching us, the Shekhinah will be right there with us. There still will be some Toma, the Sitra Achra will still be that Nikuda Achas, flying, floating somewhere. But when we walk, and when we act, and when we learn, we will feel Hashem. And we can understand now what the Musfarim teach us. That Bizman Beis HaMikdash, every person will be on the level of a Tana. Every person will be level of an Amayra. Our learning will be with clarity. Our Tfilah will be with purity. Why? 
Because that's the world that Hashem designed. That's the world that the Shekhinah is with us. We need those Eser Sfiros, Hashem to be palpable. And something else incredible will happen. Perhaps the diff- most difficult challenge of all is lack of direction. We live in a world, we don't know what to do. Do we listen to this one or that one? We sat here, we heard from Elia Brudni, but the question itself brings out the issue that we have, the inner turmoil that each of us has within us. What is our avayda? What am I supposed to do? Sphagus, doubt, in every area of our lives, in every moment of our day. We're just not sure where are we supposed to be focusing. When Hashem's shechina is present, palpable, real, there's no more sphagus. There's no more doubts. There's no more uncertainties. Because we're living, we'll be living a life with Hashem right in front of us. So the big question of the day is, Hashem right now, the Shekhinah is here of course, but there's one Nekuda Achas that He's occupying. Just one little dot somewhere floating. And the Tumah is everywhere. The impurity, the Nisyanis. So what could we do? What could be our focus as we go into Kinnis? What could be the way for us to allow that maturity to stand? So I'd like to use the following mushroom. We spoke about the fireflies, how every spark of inspiration is one little light. We have to catch it and catch another and catch another. But perhaps we live our day, we daven, we learn. And then we have the rest of our day. Sometimes it feels almost like Hashem has a little box. We have a box. And in that box is where we keep a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And we come to Davin, we open the box a little bit, we say our Shemayin Esrei, we close it tight, and we go on with our day. Maybe when we learn a little bit, again, we'll open a little bit more, and then we close it. If we want Hashem Shechina to be present with us, if we want to live a life that we could feel Hashem we want the base of Mikdash back. We want back to that perfect world. We have to begin by bringing Hashem more into our daily lives. Not only the few moments of tefillah, the few moments of learning, but every single aspect of our life. We could bring and find an element to allow Hashem to enter. On the fields, in the bunks, in school, in yeshiva, at home, there are always moments that we can find Hashem talking to us. We can realize Hashem is actually there with us. We can find that little dot. Even amidst all the impurity, all the nisyayimis, all the challenges, all the difficulties, all the lack of clarity, all the depression and sadness and anguish and sorrows and calamities and death 
and buildings collapsing and Meirot and all the issues that is our lives. We could find moments where we could see Hashem. We could find an area that we could realize, hey, Hashem is there with me. That wasn't as bad as I anticipated. I actually was able to do what I wanted to do. It worked out better than anticipated. Find different areas where we can look down and realize that Shem is holding our hands. And at those moments, what we'll be doing is we'll be widening that box. And instead of only Hashem coming out at a tefillah, coming out at a davening, at a learning, coming out at a shmooz, coming out at inspiration, we'll find ourselves on a field when so when you make when you have a good hit and you'll say thank you Hashem, maybe you'll actually mean it for a moment. And you realize Hashem is there with you at that moment. When you wanted to yell at someone or you wanted to use foul language and you held your tongue, maybe you'll walk away realizing Hashem gave me the power to overcome. When you wanted to click and you didn't. When you wanted to go somewhere and you didn't. When you thought it would be terrible. And somehow it turned out okay. We'll find different small areas. Realizing that Hashem is there with us. And we'll widen that box. And we'll slowly allow that Nekuda Achas. That one dot which is Hashem. To penetrate and push away all that impurity. And I want to close with one beautiful story. It was a Shana Rabba in Eretz Yisrael. And it was an apartment building. And the way where they make the sukkahs are downstairs in the parking lots. So in order to carry everything down, you have to go up and down. And up and down. And anyone who's ever experienced it, it makes it a different circus. And there was a little girl that she went to help her mother. So she went up and she was carrying down two glass pitchers of water. And on the way down, she slipped, she fell, the glass shattered and slit her hand open. Blood was everywhere. And they came and they rushed and they wrapped it up. It was a Shanaraba, which is Erev Yamtif. And they went and they rushed to the emergency room. And they went to the emergency room and they waited there for four hours. And they said, we can't help you. They sent them to the urgent care and they waited there for another two hours. And it's getting closer and closer to Yantif. Finally, someone sees them, says, all we could do right now is wrap it up. It looks like she's going to need surgery. Come back after Yantif. So they wrap up the hand and they go home. And after Yantif, they come back and they're sitting in the waiting room, this little girl and her father. And they're sitting there and next to them in the waiting room is a man, long ponytail, leather jacket, doesn't look like such a religious fellow. And they're waiting and this girl's father turns to the man and says, how are you? Trying to make some small talk. And the man is sitting there looking down at his phone. No response. Waits another minute. And he turns back to the man. And he says, What brings you here today? Nothing. Looking at his phone. 
No response. Tries a third time, says, oh, my daughter, she dropped glass pitchers, slit her wrist, thinks she's in need surgery. No response. Finally, he turns to the man and he figures, maybe I'll make a joke. And he says, you know, after that story, I'm going to break all the glass pitchers in my house. Finally, the man looks up. The man says, you should be ashamed of the hat on your head. Whoa. And he looks back at the man and he says, the man says, you think the glass pitchers are the issue? That's really what you think? Of course, Hashem is the one that slit her wrist. The man is looking at this ponytailed fellow and wondering, what's about to happen? But in reality, we could really stop here. We'll tell them the story, don't worry. But we really could stop here, because that's the truth. It's true, he was joking about breaking into glass pitchers. But the truth is, for whatever which reason, Hashem decided that this girl needed to have her hand slit. That this father needed to spend their yantif in the emergency room. That they had to go for a surgery. That they're going to have to sit there and she won't be able to use her hand for two months. Why? We don't necessarily know. But once we trace it back and realize that everything is Hashem. Everything. Good, bad, mediocre. But let's continue the story. So the man goes back to the, turns back to the man with the ponytail and he says, well, like, yeah, from Hashem. And the man says, listen, I saw God's hand. I know. So, obviously the man has a story to tell. So he says, would you like to share? And this ponytailed fellow says, let me tell you a story that started about six weeks ago at the beginning of El. I live in a place called Hod HaSharon. And there, there are Svardim that do Slichos every single day. Slichot. Early, early in the morning. Something like four o'clock in the morning. And this ponytailed man says, listen, I'm not religious. And there's no reason that these religious fanatics wake me up every morning at 4 a.m. because they have to go do their prayers. I'm a working man. I, have, I want to sleep till eight. And I finally had enough of it. So one morning, 2, uh, 2 a.m. before they showed up, I went to the electric box, slipped, snipped the wires, no power in the shul. 4 a.m., I hear them pulling up, I hear the commotion, they realize there's no power, and they all go home, and I roll over, so excited, I'm gonna be able to sleep. The next day, it happens again. Obviously they got it fixed. So the third day, I went and I cut the wires again. Fourth morning, once again, they show up, they try to go daven, there's no electricity. I roll over, I get me another four hours of sleep, everything's great. And that day in the office, I went to take a file out. And as I was pulling down the file, the whole filing cabinet fell on my thumb. 
and he picks up that his thumb is sitting there wrapped. And the filing cabinet fell on my finger. I went to an orthopedist, and he said, oh, no big deal, we'll set it. Orthopedist tells me, this is gonna hurt a lot. Takes my finger, pulls, twists, pop, pulls right back to where it was. Peter looks at me and says, this always works. Let me try again. Once again, pull, twist, pop, screaming in pain, stands up, pulls back up. Peter says, this is so odd. Let me try again. Three, four, five times, he sits there and puts me through the most agonizing pain trying to set my thumb. After five times, he looks at me and he says, I don't know what's going on over here, but there's nothing I could do. Wrapped it up, and he says, in two weeks' time, I'll see you, and we'll schedule a surgery date. And I went home, and I'm thinking to myself, this whole story is bizarre. And I started remembering. A few days before, I snipped the wires. I snipped them again. I tried to ruin the shul. And as I was pulling home from the doctor appointment, I saw outside my house a commotion. The members of the shul were coming to again fix the electricity. So I stopped and I said, what's going on? I said, oh, I don't know. It seems like someone's been playing with our electrical box. So we're fixing it and we're also going to have to collect money. We're putting in surveillance cameras because we can't have this happen again. And this ponytailed man says that moment he realized. And he turned to them and he said, I'll cover the cost of the surveillance cameras. I'll cover everything. They looked at him like, you? You never stepped foot in the shul? He says, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Tell me what it costs. He writes away all the money and he goes home. He says, now I'm waiting to see the doctor for the surgery. He says, I saw God's hand. There's no question. I'm going to walk through that door and there's going to be no surgery. I tampered with God. He got me back. I made good. Everything's going to be fine. This man is sitting there with his daughter. Quite a crazy story. And finally... It's his turn. So he goes in with his daughter. He gets his surgery date and he comes out. And he figures he has to wait to see what happens. And the ponytail man also goes in, comes out. And he says, so? He says, yeah. He's set to come back in five days and they're going to perform surgery. He says, Rabbi, there's not going to be any surgery. Just wait and see. Five days later, the man comes back and he walks into the surgeon. And he says to the surgeon, before you do the surgery, I know they tried five times to set my thumb. But can you try one more time? And the surgeon says, you know it's very painful. He says, yeah, we already did this five times. Try again. And of course, he set the thumb and it was perfect. And he walked out and this girl and father were waiting for their surgery. And he smiles and he says, you see, I told you, I wouldn't need the surgery. And the father turns back to him and says, you're right. Do you think it's that simple? You just settle accounts with God? You did one good action, 
You never stepped foot into a shul. You never did anything. You think you do one thing and it's over? Come. Come for Shabbos. You have to build a bit of a relationship. So what we're going to be doing here today is as we try to widen that box, that box that sometimes is all too small, that only is opened for a davening, for a learning. We're going to try to find different ways that we can build that relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Sometimes we'll have big events, and at that point, we'll turn to Hashem, and we'll talk to Him. Someone loses a lot of money, all of a sudden, Rameir Balanes, it's beautiful, excellent. We have to find more ways that it's a real relationship. And hopefully throughout the day, as we find different areas to connect with, different ways to make that nekudachas, that one dot of Hashem more present in our life, what will indeed happen is the words of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. What will happen is that we'll able to be lehis alois, we'll able to be elevated, to leave more pure, to be more connected. Hopefully, we'll conclude with the Beis HaMikdash. Hopefully, the words of the tour that we only have 65 years left will finally be Mekuyam. As Rabbi Chanan and the Tzvah has taught us that Hashem can't live in a world of such filth so many years ago, certainly today. But as we find different areas to connect to, different details that we can make more real in our lives, will allow that maturity that was with us, that is with us right now to be taken with us. That box of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to slowly widen each and every day a bit more. And thereby build the relationship that is necessary to bring Hashem into our life. We're going to begin with Kinnah Yud Aleph.